If we go back and look, we see where we began, just for a review. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the truth. We understand by reading the writings of Peter that we're chosen of God, that we are chosen to be sanctified, to be holy. God chose us. We had nothing to do with that. It's all the work of God. It's in the purpose of Jesus Christ for His glory. We are the very thankful, if we have this knowledge, recipients of His grace. We went through speaking of the sufferings of Christ and the grace that should come unto us in the church today, in this kingdom, and in the knowledge. And then Peter begins to tell us how to walk with Christ, how to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on and tells us that we are stones in a foundation which Christ would lay upon this rock I will build my church. That rock is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of God the Father manifested through God the Son. We're all living stones in a spiritual temple of God. We are the building of God spiritually in this world, Jew and Gentile alike. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. The purpose that we should show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And then Peter began to tell us how to live in this world. Today marks a new beginning of a year as we measure time. And certainly these things that we're going to talk about relate to us today. With a new year beginning, everybody makes New Year's resolutions and thoughts about a better year and a better year and a better year, hopefully, than the last year was. Well, in one aspect, the last, at least since 2020, has been awful with all that's been going on. But the years have been great because God is with us and God has been with us and God will not leave us. And we have the knowledge of Jesus Christ and we have our families which are in the kingdom of God here that God has given to us. But Peter begins to tell us how to live with government to submit ourselves into every ordinance of man as they are lawful. And to walk in the way of Christ, in the liberty of God, honoring all men what honor they are due, loving the brotherhood, to fear God in a reverential fear of the Creator of heaven and earth, who cannot look upon sin, it was made flesh and came into this world to suffer, bleed, and die for us. As we walk, we are to manifest Christ in our life. And He tells us about servants. We talked about the servants, the slaves, as they were in that day and are in places today also. This is just review. And how a servant should be obedient to his master. And I said this then, and I'll say this now, Christ did not concern Himself primarily or very little at all with the things of the world and the things of the Spirit, uh, things of the nature of man. The things that Christ did were by the Spirit of God for the furtherance of the kingdom of God, for the benefit of the people of God and the glory of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He didn't come changing governments. He didn't come taking away the slavery which was there from nations because He didn't come to change the things of the world. His kingdom is from above. He brought the kingdom to us. This is His function. He told Pilate, if my kingdom was of this world, my servants would fight. But they did not fight and we do not fight because His kingdom is not of this world. He was telling them in whatever state of life that you are in, slave, bond free, first of all, be content in the things you have, and second, be obedient to those who are over you in the flesh. 
because this is pleasing to God. And he went on and talked about how Christ, going back to chapter 1, had suffered for us. How the holy, blameless man, Jesus Christ, the Word eternal, which was made flesh, suffered in this world, suffered, bled, and died upon the cross of Calvary for us and raised up for us. And then He spoke about the foundation of society and foundation of the church also in one sense as far as the membership goes. He talked about godly wives and godly husbands. We made reference to the point that God made covenant with Adam, not with Eve, that this responsibility lies primarily with Adam. If Adam loves his wife as God commands, the woman he created from the body of the man, a part of the man, then the wife would love and reverence the husband and to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In that society prospers. Certainly we can look around this world and especially in this nation that God is so richly blessed and see the effects of what happens when Satan became involved in attacking the family, which by the way was the great majority of the change of family has been after the change of doctrine in the 1830s. If you think doctrine doesn't matter, study that sometime. If you serve a God who created all things, and by one man all things are in sin and guilty, and you understand and know that this God cannot look upon sin, but that this God loves you so very much that before He created heaven and earth, He knew in omniscience would come to pass, and He devised, He made a way. The covenant was made that the Son of God would die for His people. If that is taught and understood, you, when touched by the grace of God, would reverence God and uh, reverential fear and love God and serve God out of gratitude and thanksgiving and the great love of He who had mercy upon you. If you stand and are taught that God needs your help, that Christ was unable, that on the last day Christ will shed tears because some were lost or some were left behind, man promotes man. Man fails. Man dies. If I have to help my God, I do not have a God. If I worship a God who needs my help, why would I serve Him? Why would I come and learn of Him? You understand. But when God reveals to us through His Son Jesus Christ, the perfect, holy Son of God, came into this world and died for us in grace, in mercy, then there's a reverence to God that can come in love and it comes by no other way. He says, Husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the weaker vessel, giving us a, an example of how to live and prosper in this world. This is not talking about heaven and immortal glory. We won't marry in heaven and immortal glory. We'll, we'll be as the angels in heaven, servants of God. But this is how we prosper in the kingdom of God and in the world. Husbands, wives, children. And with that review, we'll take up verse 8. Finally, finally, this is not the end of the text. This is an exhortation from what's gone before. 
Finally, be ye all of one mind. Now we think about being of one mind, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is doctrine. Because the doctrine has been so drastically, it has not been changed. Satan has tried to pervert it and pollute it. And men in deception, there's only two things, either in deception of Satan, teach false doctrine, or else men as wolves in sheep's clothing and pawns of Satan Himself, as Jude says, certain men crept in unawares, seeking to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only two ways that it happens. He says, finally be ye all of one mind. Now we can think about doctrine, but that's not exactly all this text is talking about. If we come from the Scripture that God gave to us, then we are certainly going to understand the doctrine of God pertains to and is involved in everything in Scripture from the beginning to the end. It's all about Christ. It's all about the Godhead. Now, be ye all of one mind in this context is talking about what's gone before. It began with doctrine. God chose you. God saved you. God sanctified you. Christ suffered for you. You have salvation. And how we are to walk and live in this world to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves that we can be. To live as peaceably as we can with all men. To be of one mind. One mind. Husbands, love your wives. That ought to be the mindset of every man. That's what we should teach our children. Because as I state again, God made covenant with the man, not the woman. They were both there from the same body God created. Yet in the way that God establishes family, and I hate to use the word role, but I can think of no better word to use the role of the husband, the role of the mother. The man is responsible. And it ought to be taught that way. Be ye all of one man, mind, having compassion one of another. I give unto you a new commandment that ye love one another. Consider the times this was written and given to the first century church. The Jews hated the Gentiles. They were dogs. Man, since sin, has hated other nations of men. There's been war since Cain slew Abel. There's been death and fighting since Cain slew Abel. Our sinful existence is to hate each other. Having compassion. Having compassion. You see the parable where the man is beaten and robbed and left on the side of the street. Here comes the old self-righteous Pharisee. And he looks over there, the religious man, and he sees him and crosses to the other side. And you see the Levite who came by, I believe, and said, saw the same thing. There was no compassion. There was no love of God. And we're going to see that. We see it in the teachings of Christ. We see it in John when we quoted a moment ago, see that you love one another. Now there's a love of those that are without and are in need and we give them things necessary to live as food and clothing. And there's a love of brotherhood which goes to the very depth of the true doctrine of God because we are all that belong to God. We're all in the same family. We all have salvation and the same grace of God and Jesus Christ. And we need to love one another and we ought to be compassionate one of another. Love as brethren united together. 
We think of things there can be no greater union in the natural sense than being of the bloodline of our parents and the man and woman to come together as husband and wife and become one and the bloodline from them. That's close. We don't love anybody physically than our family. And a man has no right to love anyone more than he loves his wife. But this is speaking of spiritual things. Love as brethren. One who is a child of God. Primarily speaking, I do believe in this context since it's written to the church, or church members and those that are within the church. How we are to bond together, love one another, pray for one another, care for one another. I'm not saying neglect God's children anywhere, but the church is what brings us together to fellowship together in spirit of Christ. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. My mind's gone three times now to Matthew 18, and I'm going to go there briefly in my speech. Peter said, How oft shall I forgive my brother? Seven times? A number of completeness. The Lord said, I say unto thee, not seven, but seventy times seven. And He goes on to say, if thy brother offend thee personally, and he repents, forgive him. Compassionate on each other. Pitiful. Having pity on someone. Looking at their state, maybe in life. Maybe they're poor and hungry and we need to help them to feed them. Maybe they're angry all the time and they need to be prayed for and encouraged by the Gospel. Be courteous. Be courteous. And I've said this a lot, and I'll say it one more time. Be as nice as you can be to all people. I'm sure, and I've used this here recently, but I'll use it again to make it plain in this same text. I'm quite sure the thief on the cross who turned to the Lord and begged to be remembered when the Lord entered glory, I'm quite sure that everyone in that audience who came to see the Son of God crucified, I'm sure they all thought that he, like the other male factor, was a criminal lost and undone with no hope in this world until God quickened him there on the cross. My point with that is we do not know who is and is not a child of God. It is manifested through some, but not to all, or not through all. Be courteous. Some people you cannot be courteous to very long. Be courteous. If men are courteous to each other, two Scriptures go to mind. One is if a man desires a friend, he's got to be friendly. And the other is a soft answer turneth away wrath. When we are courteous to each other, it makes life more pleasant. This text is about living in the world. When we get to heaven and immortal glory, not knowing anything about what that's going to be like, because we're not allowed to see it in this sin-cursed body, but we do know this, it will be perfect. There will be no anger, no hatred there. Here, here, be courteous. This whole world had nine people shot last night in Mobile, Alabama. People are full of hate. People are full of anger. It goes back to doctrine. Whether people will agree with that or not, be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil, 
Well, you slapped my face, so I'm going to slap yours. What does the Lord say? Turn the other cheek. It's a hard thing to do. But before I move from that, let me say this. By God's grace, I will turn my cheek to Christian persecution all day long. By God's grace. I will not turn my cheek to evil nor wickedness. Okay? Rightly divide the word of truth. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. Your brother slaps you, slap him? No. Your brother goes on railing on about what a sinful man you are. Well, if it's in my case, it's probably true. But you were not to go running around talking about him either, railing for railing. But contrary wise, blessing. Matthew 5. Pray for your enemies. That is a hard thing to do. I've done it, and I, I when God blessed me to, and I had been blessed in the peace that I had in my heart by doing so. Pray for your enemies. I'm not going to get through this. Might as well turn to it quickly. Matthew 5, 40-ish. Matthew 5, 43 you have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. That was under the law. But I say unto you, love your enemies. That's the love of supplying and feeding worldly things to them. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now watch verse 45. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For He maketh His Son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Now did you catch through all that? That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. When you love those that persecute you, I'm not talking about those who rape, murder, and kill. I'm talking about standing under Christian persecution. These men... We're suffering persecution from Jews and from Gentiles who worship tree stumps overlaid with gold. Pray for them. That you may be your father's children. What is that saying? That you may have the peace and the knowledge of knowing that God loves you, that God chose you, that Christ died for you, and while you walk in this world, you are the child of God. You feel it. And you know it by faith, which God gives to you. Not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. Bless your enemies. Knowing that ye... You are there unto call. For ye see your calling, brethren. He's talking to brethren. He's talking about the irresistible call of the Spirit which gave you life. You see your calling. You see your call to inherit a blessing in heaven and immortal glory. And you have a blessing here in this world of Christ within you, being led by the Spirit of God in the kingdom of God, sitting under the sound of the gospel, and being blessed in walking of the same mind of the saints of God and all these things which have gone before. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. All the Father giveth me shall come to me and he that cometh to me 
shall in no wise be cast out. I have given eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Me, and this is life eternal, that they may know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. Two proof texts of the finality and the assurance of life to every child of God. How do you get to heaven in immortal glory? In the blood of the Lamb of God. So rightly divide the word of truth. 34th Psalm, verse 11, Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life? This is speaking of temporal life and blessing in this world. This is where Peter is quoting from. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days? You're not going to die when you get to glory. You're there forever, spirit, body, and soul. It's not talking about living in heaven. It's talking in living in this dark, vile world in the light of God, which is and who is Christ, that He may see good, good things. Good things. God told Joshua, to be mindful of the law when it came in to the land of Canaan, that they would be prosperous in the land. That's not prosperous in gold and silver. That's prosperous in the knowledge of God. That's prosperous in godliness. That's prospering man, wife, children, society in the world. Keep thy tongue from evil. What did they say back over here? Not railing for railing. And thy lips from speaking guile. Remember, James' tongue controls the whole ship, that little member. Oh, how I have to pray daily, Lord, keep my tongue. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and His ears are open unto their cry. Depart from evil. Flit. Turn away from it. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Do good. Keep the things the Scripture tells us that we are to do. Primarily, what is that? To fulfill the law, we can't do that. Christ did. We are to love. For love is fulfilling of the law. If we love, it's because Christ loved us and died for us and has placed His love within us. Seek peace. Pursue it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. The most important thing a man and woman should have in their mind is to seek the kingdom of God. I'm thinking about married people. And to teach their children to seek the kingdom of God. Bring them up in fear and admonishment of the Lord. Nurture and admonition of the Lord. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and His ears are open to their cry. For he that will love life and see good days, 1 Peter 3, 10, back to it, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. I can remember saying this going through James and I can experience it because I've done it before. This is from my history. When men sit around and men talk about things that are evil and doing evil to someone who hurt them or someone uh, they don't like or a criminal or whatever, when they talk about it enough, it leads to action. And men doing things that men ought not to do. Speak no God. Let him eschew evil. That means hate evil. Well, that's not contrary to love your brother. If you 
help someone who is your enemy, or you help someone, I'm using these two extremes, that you don't even know, the Scripture teaches us that God smiles upon that. We love our enemy in that way. If they are in need, and we have, then we give it. These people get on TV and talk about, I need your money, I need your money, send your money down here so I can go save people. They're like those that robbed widows' houses. The best explanation I've ever heard was this. If you are blessed to give, then give. If you are not blessed to give, then do not give. Piety begins at home. A man who won't take care of his own is worse than an infidel, a non-believer. But making the point of how we are to love those that are without, to hate evil, but to be loving and live as peaceably as we can with all men. Let him seek peace and shit. Just read that in the 34th Psalm. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and His ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. God set things up from the foundation of the family and of government. The family was first, government came second, because sin had entered the world. God put a, let me use the word, system in order to be against evil. Government is to be a terror to evil. Our government has become evil because our society has become evil. Free men that love God can reign over themselves. Those that are wicked must be governed. But the hand of the Lord, the face of the Lord, is against them that do evil. God does not bless the wicked. The wicked shall perish, period. The wicked shall be turned into hell. Another verse, period. But God hath given us a way while we strive in this world to walk with Christ separate from the world, turning away from evil, turning away from the world because the world is evil. That's why I said that three times. To walk with Him and love us and protect us and the family and the kingdom of God and even in the nations. You go back to the place where I believe Zechariah said he saw the Lord. He saw the Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And there was Joshua, the high priest, which was representative of the children of God, the priesthood here in the world. And the Lord gave him place to stand by. God said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What's the bottom line in this walk and the way that God hath given us? God will give you a place to walk. God will protect you in His providence. Walk in godliness. And who is he that will harm you? If you be followers of that which was good, this goes back to the institution of government and the way that God has set up and ordained that they would be a fear to the wicked and protect the innocent or those that love God. You know, we look around this world, I say world and we can, nation primarily hits my mind because we do live here and we've been blessed of God. If we look at history, we can expect nothing except tribulation and trial and hatred. The church was in Rome, it was persecuted and had to go. 
The church was in England. It was persecuted. People murdered, hung, drawn, quartered, burned at the stake in Rome and England. And it came here. How can we expect anything different from the world and the wickedness of the world than what has already come upon our fathers because they are and were the sons of God, the children of God, male and female. But the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. God established a way through government for us to be protected. And if that is corrupted, God will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Well, then you tell me why they're killed, why they're murdered, especially in other countries where they're murdered for calling themselves Christians. Brethren, that is the greatest deliverance of all is to leave this body because they go home with God and Christ in spirit. But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. You know, I was... I was brought up, don't be preaching and telling people about the Lord that's left for the church. God help us, we try to kill ourselves. I got the point in life, if you're around me very long, you're going to hear about the Lord. If you don't like it, get up and go. Because that's what I'm going to talk about. And I say that to make a point. Happy are you if you suffer for righteousness' sake. When I look at our government in these United States of America, where if you mention the name Jesus on TV, it's cut off. In this land where our government persecutes God's people, oh, we're not to the point of being burned at the stake yet. But when I see my government and those outside hating me because I love God, I won't say proud because that would be pride and pride goeth before I fall. But I am happy that they hate me because I know they hate Christ. And Christ loves me. And Christ died for me. Happy are you. It manifests that you're Christ's Son. That you're God's child. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Jesus said, Fear not him who can kill the body. Satan and all his pawns. But fear him who can cast both body and soul in hell. And that is God. And there will not be a child of God taste hell. Point being, fear not anything but God. God has you in His hand. John 10. Neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. This goes back to seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Oh, we have been in prosperity so very long. God has blessed us and blessed us and blessed us. Our homeless are fat. We don't go hungry. We do not have a physical need. Now in our sin, that's beginning to change a little bit, is it not? God may be removing the hedge around this nation, but even if He does, His people are in His hand, okay? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. But my point is that we have prospered so much we've made it an idol. You read history and even look back to the days of my youth when people... And I look at my dad and the way he slaved over carpentry work for so long, and that was the norm of man back then. 
Nobody had much money, but we had something to eat and a place to live. People were thankful to be alive. People were thankful to worship God. They knew they needed a Savior. They knew that God would take care of them. Today, we're so fat, lazy, and laid back. Nobody hardly in society cares anything about worshiping God. Drive by the ball field on Sunday morning and look at the cars. And little children be taught, don't go to church, get out here and kick this soccer ball. Sanctify the Lord God. Put Him first. Acknowledge the Lord in all thy ways. God first. But seek ye the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all the things that you need will be added to you. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Let's go back to the day this was written again. Gentiles who had been carried away in cities and nations, holy, not knowing God, not knowing Christ, strangers, from God, without God in the world. Now being revealed to them the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Men beginning to change. Men beginning to turn away from the things of the world. Those seeing them, never having seen that before, What's up? Why do you hate what you used to do? Why do you seek after that which you used to hate? Be ready to give an answer. It is the same way today. When I started police work, everybody that I went to high school said, Police work? We figured you'd be in jail by now. It was a shock to them because I was the wild young man from the mountain. When God puts you in the church and God puts you in the ministry, those that knew you in your past walk marvel many times and wonder why. Be ready to give an answer. Because Christ died for me. Because Christ saved me. Because I stand among the elect of God, made in the Godhead before the foundation of the world. Be ready to give an answer. Because I love Him. And I want to serve Him. And I fail daily. Be ready to give an answer. To every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now we can be bold and still be meek. Okay? There's a difference in being bold and being offensive and attacking someone. Well, you're not like us. Is it not better to say, let's reason this out. Let's talk about it. You can still be bold in declaring the truth with meekness and fear. The fear of God. Having a good conscience. And I'm not going to get to this today, so you remember this next week. Having a good conscience. What is the good conscience? We're talking about verse 21. Baptism. A good conscience before God. Having a good conscience. He's telling them, be baptized. Come into the church that whereas they speak evil of you, why do they get up and go to church on New Year's Day? Didn't they want to lay out all night to daylight like we did? Don't understand that. Well, one that's not born of the Spirit of God yet is not going to understand that. And the natural man never will understand that. But they speak evil of you. Oh, we, can't, we can't live like this and do this. Because they stand in the way. They speak evil of you. Because you serve God and strive to keep the things of God and they don't understand it. 
having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you, as of evil doers, just like you're evil and speak of you in that way, that you're one who creates evil and follows evil, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. Now you know there's a difference in shame when a child of God has shame. Lord, I'm so sorry. Give me repentance and vow. I'm not worthy of the least of thy tender mercies. I am ashamed. I've sinned against thee and thee only. There is shame of the child of God. And there is shame of the ungodly because they got caught and people see it and the whole world sees it. And you, you know this. For every sin, there's a recompense. Those that criticize you, those that revile you, those that hate you, they bear their shame. We may not see it, and we may not know it. There are men that commit hideous crimes in this world and never go to jail, but you know this for a fact. God judges them. A child of God pays for his sins in this world. A lot of times, the wicked don't pay till they leave it. For it is better if the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. I had planned on finishing this chapter and I'm going to come back here next week so I'm going to close in just a second. For it is better if the will of God be so. Catch that. If the will of God be so. I don't know the will of God. That's what we're taught to pray for. First thing we do is acknowledge God, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name, Thy kingdom come. Praying for acknowledging the, the greatness of the eternal, almighty I Am, everlasting to everlasting, without beginning, without end. Praying for the kingdom of God, Thy will be done. I do not know God's will. If we knew God's will, we couldn't stand it. We'd burst in this body of sin, be consumed while we were driven away in Adam. I don't know God's will. I see some that suffer, that are good, loving husbands, Wives, grandfather, grandmother, church members, pillars in the church, even without the church, who have never come in the door to join. Even some of those who have never, as far as I've known, stepped foot in a church or professed the Lord Jesus Christ. But they were wonderful, loving compassionate, giving people. That does not come from the nature of man. That comes from God. Okay? So they're God's children. Okay? Now they are wicked. And they will pay. But God's people suffer. And when you see someone like that suffer and you often wonder why... Do they suffer so? When I read the Scripture and I read the writings of, I believe Paul said, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And I look at how God has blessed me and how rich my life is and how I have the most beautiful woman in the world I've been living with my entire adult life and that's the way I feel about it. I die for I hope. And children that God has blessed and God's brought in the church. I don't deserve that. I don't suffer any persecution. Sometimes I wonder, am I a child of God because God is so good to me? Now with that said, grace, for it is better if the will of God be so. Why does God allow some to suffer greater than others? I can't answer that. 
I can just tell you that those that love God suffer greatly. Maybe I don't love Him enough is why I don't suffer enough. God help me. I'm not Job. I don't live like that. I've told you before, but a few years ago, Barbara had a heart attack. My Josh's wife had a, a hit a deer. My brother was killed, and a few days later, my other brother died. There's so much going on one day. Lord, I'm not Job. Please help me. Have pity on me. But some people suffer because they live godly lives and the Lord allows them to be tempted, afflicted, persecuted, hated, We've all got skeletons and we've all got lust and whatever it's money, power, flesh, whatever. Other people don't see it, but we all know our own. And God delivers us from it. But that's a different point. It is better if the will of God, if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing, that ye suffered because you're striving to walk with Christ and honor the glory of God, the express image of His person, who was made flesh, laying aside the glory of the Godhead to suffer and bleed and die for us. For it is better if the will of God be so. There's a reason that's there. That you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. It is better to suffer because you walk with God, manifest that you are God's, magnify Christ in your body, being separate, sanctifying God in your heart, loving your wife, loving your family, keeping the commandments that God gave us that you love one another than it is to suffer for evildoing. Than being chastened by our Father in very many different ways for being rebellious and disobedient. Won't keep a child of God out of glory. Impossible, impossible, impossible. Peter spoke of Christ and said it was not possible that death could hold Him. It is not possible that a child of God will be in hell or could go to hell because you're bought in the blood of the Lamb. So rightly divide the word of truth. It is better to suffer being hated by the world and knowing and feeling that love of Christ than it is to be chastened. And we get chastened, and that's in love too. We will start next week there again and talk about the sufferings of Christ in the days of Noah.